Welcome back, friends. James Corbett here, CorbettReport.com. You're tuned into Solutions Watch. And do you remember back when there was an anti-war movement? I know for some of the younger people in the crowd, that might sound like some sort of long-lost relic of the past. And I guess it is at this point, because it has been a couple of decades since we saw a real concerted anti-war movement in the United States, at any rate, let alone many other places around the world. I do recall Back in the day, back in the time of the uh, the Iraq War and what have you, massive protests, marches, people were upset, people were protesting. But for some reason in 2008-9, suddenly people just sort of disappeared. And there was no one against the drone wars and the continuation of the never-ending war. Well, guess what? If you are against war, then maybe there's something that you should be paying attention to, specifically for my American listeners. Uh, we're talking about Rage Against the War Machine today, an anti-war rally that is being prepared for Washington, D.C., February 19th of 2023. Can you believe it? Yes, anti-war is still here. And there are people who do want these wars to end. And let's talk to a couple of them. Um, today, we have on the line the co-organizers of this event, Angela McArdle of the Libertarian Party and Nick Brana of the People's Party. Angela, Nick, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having us. Yeah, great to be with you. Awesome. Well, it is your guys' first time on the program, so why don't we just get acquainted? Um, tell me a little bit about yourself, your background, how and why you got into this, and why you're interested in organizing an anti-war rally in 2023. And Nick, let's start with you. Yeah, sure thing. Um, my background was, uh, well, first of all, my, my family comes from a country that was overthrown by a dictatorship, a military-industrial dictatorship from Chile. Uh, so my family left uh, during the Pinochet regime uh, in Chile. So that's always informed where I've come from uh, ideologically. Um, but I, you know, I spent years working with the Democratic Party too, trying to make some kind of progress against war and other issues that we care about at the People's Party there, only to find that it's just as corrupted and uh, controlled by big corporations and Wall Street as the Republican Party. And so, you know, my kind of last attempt with them was working on the Bernie Sanders campaign. I was his national political outreach coordinator, reaching out to the superdelegates for him. And that was the last straw. Uh, after that, in 2017, uh, formed the movement for a People's Party, which became the People's Party in 2021. Uh, and so we are building a uh, major new populist party uh, in this country. And one of the issues that we care a lot about is opposing war. So we're very happy to have, you know, found great partners in that in the Libertarian Party. Excellent. Yeah. For people who don't understand that the left-right reality that we're fed um, isn't the entire political reality, and there's an up-down axis as well, they might be confused that, Angela, you're, aren't you on the exact opposite side of someone like Nick? Why would you be getting involved with, with, with the People's Party and co-organizing an event? Well, libertarians have always been staunchly anti-war since the founding of the party in 1971. Um, the Libertarian Party was sort of formed as a as a reaction to the disgust with Richard Nixon, but but also in partnership with people who are more um, we consider left libertarians, a little more hippie hippie like like Carl Hess. So there's a wide range of um, personality and thought within the Libertarian Party. It's just all very free market and non-interventionist. And for me personally, you know, I'm really passionate about this cause. I grew up in a, a fairly conservative Christian home. 
but my father pastored a church that had an emphasis on missions, specifically in countries where it was illegal to be a Christian. And we heard a lot of stories about tyrannical governments. We had people who were com coming back and, and sharing stories about us who were from war-torn countries. And uh, it was just, it was a really horrifying, sad thing to hear some of the stuff that people had gone through. So I've always been very distrustful of government and very mindful of the damage that they can do, you know, like uh, especially, especially um, Pol Pot's killing fields. That was one that was really personal for me when I got to meet people who had survived that experience. Yeah, it's interesting that both of you have a background where you have personal family experience in some way with these types of uh, the situations that are created by the war machine and what it is doing around the world. So let's talk about that. Um, Rage Against the War Machine, an anti-war rally. Uh, what is the idea? What are you hoping um, will happen on February, let me get the date right, 20, uh, 19th, February 19th in Washington, D.C.? Uh, let's start with Angela. Well, we are we are joining forces, obviously, both of our parties, and we're uniting with other independents and people who are dissatisfied with the Republican and Democrat response to to not just the war in Ukraine, but the entire American military industrial complex. And we're we're anticipating having thousands of people show up in DC at the Lincoln Memorial, which is really exciting. We have a list of demands. We have an exciting list of speakers that's, that's growing. And uh, we're also building a whole weekend of events that are gonna happen around this. And, and you can find our, our full list of demands at rageagainstwar.com, but, but we're happy to go over them and share them with you here as well. Excellent. Nick, anything to add to that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like Angela alluded to, I think this might be the first time we're sharing this, um, but we are expanding. Uh, so it is a rally and a march uh, at the Lincoln Memorial on the 19th, like you said, uh, and then a march to the White House. We're taking our demands directly to that demented warmonger, Joe Biden. And so after that, we're going to have a uh, screening of Oliver Stone's film, Ukraine Revealed. Uh, we're going to have uh, sit-ins in uh, Congress on Monday, uh, or we're gonna have a, a kind of a lobby day uh, that day. We're gonna go to Congress, take our demands there. We are going to have uh, a, a reception afterwards. We're gonna have a get together uh, with people. So it's turning into a whole weekend. And we're really hoping to bring back the anti-war movement, like you said, because it's been dead. And it's uh, there were hundreds of thousands of people that came out and protested the Iraq war, the Vietnam war. Um, and now when we're risking nuclear war, uh, with Russia, there is, it's just crickets. Uh, and so that's something that, you know, us and the Libertarian Party is the People's Party, the Libertarian Party. We said something has to be done. Something drastic has to be done because we are in a world war right now. NATO is in a war with Russia and Russia's allies, Iran, China, others. It, it And it is a slow motion escalation. And we will reach nuclear war unless that is stemmed and so that's why it's so important for everybody to come join us out on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial on the 19th. Yeah, you make an important point. I think people don't realize the gravity of this situation, that we are already in a war. It's just, as you say, slow motion unfolding. And uh, it's one of those things that 
it won't happen overnight, but it'll happen all of a sudden. What? What? Exactly. Suddenly, wow, war is going on. And people might take notice at that time when it is too late. So let's make them aware of it first. So let's go to the meat and potatoes of this. I, I do want to talk about the speakers and what you're planning, but let's get to that list of demands because I think this is where the rubber really meets the road. And for people who are interested, of course, this is all available at rageagainstwar.com. Of course, I'll have the link in the show notes if you need help with that. But uh, on rageagainstwar.com, there is a list of demands. And uh, let's go through that list and what you guys are actually protesting. We've got not one more penny for war in Ukraine, negotiate peace, stop the war inflation, disband NATO, global nuclear de-escalation, slash the Pentagon budget, abolish the CIA and military industrial deep state, abolish war and empire, restore civil liberties, and last but definitely not least, free Julian Assange. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> can, can we add some more things on that list? No, that's about right. And I, I imagine I'm pretty sure that most of my audience will be on board with that list and um, will understand the need for those things. But let's talk a little bit about why specifically. Why Why now? Why, why are we focusing on Ukraine? What is war inflation? And what does that have to do with, with the price of tea in China? And, uh, and uh, other such queries that people might have about this. Nick, what what do you say about this list? Well, I could start off with the war inflation. Uh, the United States, I remember back in March and April of last year, the neocons had this dream here in the United States that this is going to be, I remember the headlines, Time, Brookings Institute, you know, all these deep state think tanks. This is going to be Russia's Vietnam. It's going to be Russia's Afghanistan. We're going to mire them there and we're going to drain them of resources, just like we did during the Cold War arms race. You know, it's the opposite has turned out to be true. In fact, it is Russia that is draining all of NATO and all of the West, or I should say it is NATO and the West and the United States primarily doing that to itself because it instigated this war. It instigated this war by expanding NATO. It instigated this war with the coup on the democratically elected government in Ukraine in 2014. It instigated this war by supporting Nazis in Ukraine at right on Russia's border. And if they thought they were going to place 27 million Russians and Soviets died defeating the last Nazi regime in Europe, if the U.S. and NATO thought they were going to put another Nazi regime right on the border with Russia, they have another thing coming. Putin's favorability rating is 70, 80% after having drafted 300,000 people into the Russian army and preparing that offensive that we've all heard about. They could never do that in the United States. They could never do that in any European country. They could never draft any soldiers to go and fight Russia because Russia and the citizens of Russia know that this is actually existential for them and for the United States. It is a war of empire. It's a war of regime change. They want to break up Russia. That's what we're fighting against. That's what we're fighting to oppose. It's ridiculous, this idea that the United States is going to remain this global hegemony imposing its imperial wish on the rest of the world for all of eternity. But this is the delusion that the neocons have in the United States, and we need to back them off from that before something happens like this 
third world war nuclear war scare that we had in Poland with the missiles landing there. Some incident. I don't I don't know if people realize you alluded to it, James, you too, Angela. But we could trip into accidentally. It doesn't have to be because, you know, Joe Biden, demented Joe, decides to push the button. But some accident, when you walk right up to the edge of nuclear war, any accident, any miscalculation, any rogue provocation, especially from those lunatics and dictators in Ukraine, Zelensky and his administration or what remains of it, you know, chooses to uh, instigate something like they did in Poland, then that's it. That's the end. Angela, anything to add to that? I mean, people in the United States generally don't understand how our agreement with NATO works and that NATO has to respond in kind if any of its nations are threatened with war. And so there's a there's a real knowledge gap here in the United States. And I think part of it is, sure, it's cultural, but it's also hubristic. We tend to think we're, you know, we're the ones in charge. We we rule the world. No one will ever mess with us. Nothing could ever happen to us. And so we take that approach with foreign policy, which is a really uh, potentially fatal error. Um, and, and so that's why Ukraine is at the very top right now of, of our list of demands. It is an existential threat. I think that the people in the United States also just don't understand Russia culturally. And it's not about whether or not uh, Vladimir Putin is in the right or whether or not the people of Russia are right to support him. It's about we have got to do our part to not be culpable in this war, to not, uh, well, rob Americans of taxpayer dollars when it goes to when it goes to NATO and to fight a proxy war. You know, that's really on our government. Uh, and we need to do what we can to to try to not see the world blown up. I, I think I think that's a good, responsible, very, very measured, cautious approach to take to just try to avoid nuclear war. Yeah, that, that's that sounds about a, a good bottom line. <laughs> Let's not blow up the world. OK, guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can say, James, by the war inflation, um, we mean that the price of gas, the price of food is increasing because they decided to blow up. Uh, Nord Stream pipeline. And so that means Europe doesn't have gas anymore. So now American natural gas companies have a market that can buy the gas at a higher amount. And so now that's creating energy shortages in the United States because the natural gas is being shipped to Europe and everybody in the West ends up paying higher prices here in the United States. It's bad in Europe. It's exorbitant. And so that that's what we mean by stop the war inflation. Yeah. And, and we've had one hundred and twelve billion dollars gone to to Ukraine recently and, and money was printed and, and all of this, this whole financial fiasco with the NDAA and and uh, foreign aid. It all happened over the holidays, which is especially insulting. But that certainly doesn't help the situation. OK, so here's the real philosophical, broader philosophical anti-war question. Um, are the people of Ukraine entitled to stand up for their own national sovereignty? Or are they just sort of chess pieces in sort of a grander game that can be sacrificed on this board in the interests of American peace? I think the people of Ukraine are absolutely are entitled to and have the right to stand up and defend themselves. And I think that it's totally reasonable for them to ask for help. But I do not think that it is reasonable for us to be obligated to do that, especially considering how the United States was involved in creating this mess to begin with. And I know that that's a hard pill to swallow, but this just, you can't obligate an entire whole other country to go and fight on behalf of someone else. It's, it's wrong. The people in Ukraine, I would say, they have the great misfortune of being essentially at the border between 
uh, Russia and NATO. And they have no agency in the matter, frankly. Um, they uh, Their democratically elected government was overthrown in 2014, as I mentioned before. After that, Zelensky was actually elected on a platform of peace to uphold the Minsk agreement, to stop the bombardment of the Donbass and the killing of 14,000 people there. The neo-Nazis said, if you do that, we'll assassinate you. The, the U.S. said, you know what? Yeah, we think we have the Nazis back on that. And so, and Lindsey Graham, of course, he said, uh, that uh, will they will fight to the last Ukrainian. I like how this is looking structurally. You know, we'll fight to the last Ukrainian. You know, so they they have no agency, unfortunately. The, what is happening to the people of Ukraine is the greatest tragedy of all of this. Millions of people have had to leave the country. All men between 18 and I don't know what it was, maybe 14 now. I don't know. They're bringing kids into the war to fight for them. Zelensky's drafting kids. They're they're forcing all men to stay in the country and fight this insane war. There and increasingly, in fact, there are soldiers that are turning against, turning against the Zelensky regime in that country. That Zelensky and he is a dictator. He banned the opposition parties. He nationalized all the media and consolidated into one. Basically, essentially, effectively banned the trade unions. And so he is a complete dictator. And unfortunately, the Ukrainian people, they have the right to stand up for themselves. And if that was put into effect, it would be the right. It would be in practice overthrowing the Zelensky regime and telling NATO to go take a hike because they're going to remain an independent country and they want nothing to do with this. All right. Uh, this is OK. So I as I say, I think most of my audience is going to be on board with these demands and the sort of general tenor behind them. But I know there will be those in the crowd who cynically shrug their shoulders and say, how is this anti-war rally going to change anything? After all, as you say, hundreds of thousands, millions of people around the world were out on the streets against the Iraq war, and that didn't stop the Iraq war. So what what is this rally going to do? Nick, you want to start? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, we have to try. We have to fight back. You know what? They could be right. They could be right. But I know that if we don't try, they'll be right for sure. If we don't try and if we don't resist, you know, uh, the Washington consensus, the American empire, this march towards war, then you know what they're going to say? They're going to say there's no resistance. There's no effective resistance. So we have carte blanche to do whatever we want. You know, invade whomever we want, keep up the wars, keep prop up NATO, um, take this to a nuclear war, doesn't matter. So we have to try. And I would also say that in 1971, you know, around May Day 1971, and it was in April, uh, half a million people came to what descended on Washington, D.C. as part of the the kind of culmination of the Vietnam War protests. And we know because Nixon kept records that Nixon Nixon's plan, his secret plan to win the Vietnam War was to drop atomic bombs in Vietnam. And we know that because Nixon feared that the people outside the White House gates and he ringed the White House with buses, put up machine gun emplacements to protect the White House from protesters. We know that because he feared he he said, if we drop atom bombs in Vietnam, those protesters are not going to be content to be outside the White House. They're going to be inside the White House. And so we know that it makes a difference. And that's why we have to try. I think we have a great opportunity at this moment in time because a lot of these government institutions have been grossly delegitimized in the eyes of the general public. Approval is at a 
very low point right now. And I don't just mean because Joe Biden is a Democrat, approval is low by Republicans. I mean, faith in the whole system is low. I think now is the best time to push. And this also presents, this presents several other really good opportunities. This is a left-right unity uh, move, which I think is fantastic. And I don't think that we had that with uh, the Iraq war protests. I think it was mostly the anti-war left. So now we're going to see people from both sides of the aisles come out and the independent sector. And you have Joe Biden. You know, everyone is, is speculating that he's not going to run again. And so this is going to be an excellent signaling mechanism for whoever may be in charge next that this is what people want. If you want to get elected, you've got to run on this. And we know that politicians aren't inclined to keep their promises. But I think that we've got the best opportunity now. Yeah. In a sense, the worst thing that could happen is that nobody comes out, nobody supports this rally and proves the point that, yeah, there is no anti-war movement and it's gone. So I think this is where rubber meets the road for Americans at the very least. If this, yep. if there is not support for this, then you know where this is going. And so I think, as I've said before on the Solutions Watch podcast that we're, we're sitting here chatting on, I don't think protests are the answer. They're not going to change everything overnight, but they are part of the muscles that we have to be flexing as people coming together and and at the very, very, very least connecting with and realizing that there are many, many more people than we thought who share our opinions. And if we can't demonstrate that through the controlled corporate media that's not going to report on this, we have to do it ourselves. So I, I, I applaud these efforts. I think they are important. Um, so let's get into the details of what's actually going to be happening. Uh, as we said, February 19th in Washington, where and how are people meeting and converging? What's going to happen? Where are they going to go, etc.? So we're going to meet at the Lincoln Memorial at 1230. We've got a list of speakers. Uh, we can go over a handful of those, but they're listed on rageagainstwar.com. We're going to be hearing from speakers. We're going to have some entertainment. This is going to be a really exciting rally. This is not just going to be a boring political scolding event. There's going to be a lot of energy and enthusiasm and cool stuff to do. You're going to be able to network and meet with other like-minded people. You're going to have the opportunity to meet and shake hands and be in solidarity with people that you thought you would never have agreement with. This is such an incredible opportunity. And I think that as horrible as this conflict is, it's really, it's really encouraging to see so many people come together across the political aisles and say, you know what, you're you're right, this is an existential threat, we gotta set aside our differences. So you're gonna get to have that experience. And then there is going to be a march to the White House, not the Capitol, uh, after the rally, and then we're going to have a handful of other speakers there. And then Nick and I are working on some other, uh, some exciting things that are going to follow. And if they try to let us into the White House, we're not going to let them. No, no. <laughs> don't don't pick up the podiums. You're not picking up the podiums. Don't we're not doing a velvet it. rope tour. You know, you know, we just, but it is important to actually make that point that people who yeah. do, for example, engage in those activities are not part of this rally and are provocateurs because... You know that there are provocateurs that were sent into situations like this precisely to make rallies like this look bad. So um, I think it's important to absolutely disown that type of activity before anyone gets any ideas. Um, this is a peaceful event, so leave your your buffalo horns and and your and your bike helmets at home. You're not going to need that. And if I could give a shout out to some of those who are speaking, I don't know. Mm, yeah. um, we've got uh, uh, we've got Jimmy Dore. Uh, host of the Jimmy Dore Show, Medea Benjamin uh, with Code Pink. We've got Scott Horton. Uh, we've got Garland Nixon, David Swanson, Daniel McAdams, 
Max Blumenthal, Anya Perrinpil, uh, Supreme with the Wu-Tang Clan, uh, Tara Reid, Diane Sayre, uh, Scott Ritter, Kim Iverson, Jackson Hinkle, and Matthew Ho. And I do believe that Pasta Jardula is going to be joining us as well. So uh, we got a great group of, uh, of, of people who are coming, and there's um, still, still more people signing on. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be fantastic. Awesome. But how about for people who are not in the Washington area or not e able to easily get there? We're going to be live streaming the event. So you'll be able to follow along on the Libertarian Party and People's Party socials. Um, and I imagine that a lot of our speakers and news media are going to be live streaming as well. There will be multiple avenues to, to tune in. And I heard something about maybe buses or something for people who are further away. Yes. So we are coordinating a bus route to come in and, and pick people up within almost every major metropolitan area within a four hour radius. So if this is technically within driving distance for you, we are going to make that happen. You can be uh, checking our website uh, for daily updates on that as we get that organized. We do have some some wonderful donors who have pledged to help make buses happen. We're still looking to fundraise so that we can add more bus stops and um, more fun logistical things that we need to get as many people as possible. But that is already in the works and that'll be available. Yeah. And, and thank you, James, for putting us to shame as organizers and making the plug for us, which we're going to forget as always. So uh, if anybody can donate to, please do, because um, this this is expensive. We don't, you know, the small actions and there are small actions and thank goodness for the people who are taking actions. Every act of resistance matters, but it's just not changing the course fundamentally of the war machine. It's not making a big enough impact, you know, on the National Security Council, on Biden. We have even there are even people like Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff that stood up, you know, and said, now's the time to negotiate. You know, you had Henry Kissinger until they wheeled him out, I guess, on his deathbed to change his mind, you know, saying that now we need to negotiate. We need to end this war. So, you know, this this is the time to really come out um, because we can put the pressure, you know, with thousands of people out to hopefully make that difference. There's pressure we know from Europe. Uh, I think the, the political system is fraying over there. You're seeing thousands of people who are hitting the streets over there. Um, uh, who've been hitting the streets for months. We're, we've partnered up with No to NATO, uh, George Galloway and Chris Williamson, who are organizing a uh, partner rally on the February 25th. And we're working to make it international, in fact. We're make, working to make it an international rebellion against NATO and the war in NATO countries. And so there are other countries where we're contacting organizers. We're hoping that between that week of February 18th to the 26th, when our rallies happening in D.C., their rallies happening in London, that we can bring out people and have rallies happening in France, Germany, Italy, other countries. And we're in contact with some other organizers over there already so that, you know, because the media wants to black us out. But if we all go at once in NATO countries, a revolt against NATO within NATO, then that could have an impact. Absolutely could. And as you say, no act of resistance is too small and there is nothing that uh, that is wasted. I think it all adds up. But yes, big, meaningful moments like this to demonstrate that there are people who care are extremely important. And I, I don't know, but I would assume if this goes very well, there may be more to come after this particular rally. Absolutely. We're we're going to be issuing calls to action from both of our parties 
and and keep the fire on and, and keep the heat on these guys. And we're also going to continue our momentum, right? So it's not just about pressuring them and, and the pressure that it puts on them, but it's about continuing to energize people, get more people engaged, have people care about the horrors and atrocities of American foreign policy. This is This is an incredible opportunity to make this world a more peaceful place. All right, finally, direct people where to go to find out more information, to get involved, to donate, to join, to sign up, whatever people want to do. Rageagainstwar.com. Come join us. Steps of the Lincoln Memorial, 1230, February 19th. And tell people how they can find out more about yourselves and your, your parties individually. If you're interested in the Libertarian Party, you can go to lp.org. Uh, you can look me up on uh, Substack, uh, Patreon, and Twitter. I'm happy to share a lot of updates about what's going on in the party and continuing our, our actions and next steps after this event. And you can find me on Twitter, uh, Nick underscore Brana. Uh, you can find People's Party on uh, Twitter as well, People's Party underscore US. You can find us at peoplesparty.org. So, yeah, come All on, right. join us. Awesome. All right, Angela McArdle, Nick Brana. anything else you'd like to add before we go? Thank you Thanks guys for everything so much. you do, James. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll leave it, leave it there. Thank you, guys. And as I say, all of the links will be in the show notes for anyone who missed any of that. So please go check it out. And we'll leave it there. Thanks for coming on. Anytime.